Ladies and gentlemen, my pregnant cousin left her violent and abusive husband today and is staying with me while she figures things out. Now I have to look after a distressed pregnant lady and a one-year-old baby. Dear listeners, just know that if you do not get an episode two of the podcast, I was murdered by an angry Egyptian man. So stay tuned to see how long it takes for this podcast to fall into controversy or whether or not I get axe murdered this week. It's time to tie off your arm and shoot up some adrenochrome, folks, because this is serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Dimitri, there's no point in you getting hysterical in a moment like this. The Mental Defective League in formation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the latest podcast that nobody asked for. This is serious. The only podcast that is always serious, all the time, always. I am your host of this audio-only podcast. This podcast is whatever I want it to be at any given time. Everything is subject to change, but for now, the format is pretty simple. The show has multiple segments, starting with an opening monologue, followed by some news stories I find interesting or significant, a mailbag segment where I'll address your comments, questions, and criticisms, eventually an ad break, and finally, ending the show by discussing the latest going on in the UFC. Sounds simple enough? Sounds good? Let's see how fast it takes for me to fuck it up. Well, hold on one second, Mr. Host. Ain't you pigeonholing yourself into quite a specific niche by pitting together social and political commentary with that of MMA while misusing complicated words that people generally do not already understand the definition of? Why, yes. Yes, I am. Doesn't matter to me. This is what I want to do. I am tired of being told to stop saying that all politicians are retarded and care more about their careers than they do you. I am tired of being told that nobody cares about Tony Ferguson. Well, I do care, and I do believe that all politicians are retarded and care more about their careers than you do. Ask yourself, do you really believe that Dianne Feinstein is still in office at 300 years old because she cares if your father can't make rent? Nobody cares. Nobody cares about both Tony Ferguson and the homelessness crisis. It's one or the other is what they tell me. But I'm here to say no. I'm here to say that if you really do care about Tony Ferguson, then you must be concerned about the homelessness crisis in America as well. I believe that enthusiasm for what you do and say is far more attractive and valuable and entertaining than a podcast crafted to generate capital and notoriety. So despite being the latest podcast that nobody asked for, I have built it and they will come. I would rather be broke and have nobody come, than to have my heart and soul taken out of whatever I'm doing in order to make people come. So we're trying it out my way, but letting my mind and ego run wild for this insanity vanity project, which is why this podcast is my domain. I control everything here. Unless it's wrong or bad, then obviously it's not my fault. But otherwise, I am a god. Or a god. I am a god. Now, I don't look down on other people because of my godlihood. I just look down on people. Now, Jesus, Jesus may have looked down on other people, especially from his cross, but not Zeus, who is all God. 
you wouldn't say you look down on other mentally incapacitated people. You just say you look down on the mentally incapacitated. And if you are mentally incapacitated, well, you wouldn't speak at all. Rest in power, Rosemary Kennedy. Interrupt this program with a special bulletin. Russell Brand has been accused of rape, sexual assault, and or abuse by five women between the years of 2006 and 2013, including one woman who was the age of 16 years old at the time of the alleged assault. Judging by the headlines I've read, uh, I was left believing that Russell Brand raped multiple women and one case of statutory rape of a minor. However, after reading the allegations, this appears not to be truthful. Um, Out of the five women to come forward, four of them did so anonymously. The one that did not is Brand's ex-girlfriend, who didn't comment further on her allegations, but advertised her book based on her time dating Brand instead. In this book, she details her alleged assault, saying that while she was dating Brand, he slid his hand down the front of her low-hanging jeans and forced a finger inside of her. The victim, who was 16 and of legal age of consent in the country that the act occurred at the time of the alleged offense, said that while she was having sex with Brand, he took off the condom without her consent, forced his penis down her throat, and drooled in her mouth. One of the victims claimed Brand exposed himself in front of her. The fourth victim claims that Brand grabbed her on the bed and was kissing her and removed her clothes while he had his hand down her pants. This victim goes on to say, quote, I don't know what the actual definition of sexual assault is, but it feels like that he didn't rape me, end quote. Uh, the final victim is probably the most damning of them all. Uh, she alleges that Bran raped her in 2012, saying, I tried to get away, saying, quote, I tried to get away from him and I slipped away from the wall. And then I went to another wall that had a painting on it, a huge painting. And my bag actually got stuck underneath that and it's still on my arm um that being the painting and it being her bag um and at this point he's grabbing at my underwear pulling it to the side end quote Uh, she goes on to say that she was telling brand to get off her because she was stuck underneath the painting afterwards she went to the rape treatment center the rtc at ucla uh, university of los angeles well That last one does sound pretty damning to me. Before I continue, and aside, ladies, if you have been raped, please seek out your local rape treatment center or get a rape kit at the ER. I understand that seeking out that kind of medical attention immediately after being assaulted is a horrible situation to be forced into. But right now, it seems to be the best way for you to get the care and justice you deserve. So, now that that's said, let's get controversial. Is this really the best that they can come up with? From a former celebrity sex icon and admitted sex and drug addict, Russell Brand. Besides that final allegations, it seems like these allegations were either already made public, taken out of context, or blown out of proportion. I mean, like I said, I was expecting some brutal statutory rape, but instead I got consensual sex with a person of age and mouth spitting. How am I supposed to get off to that? All kidding aside, uh, stealthing is absolutely not okay, but it definitely isn't right. Something doesn't sit right with me with this story. Something seems off, 
In a world where rape and sexual assault run rampant, where victims rarely receive the justice they deserve, and where people abuse their positions of power to rape and assault women and children on a grand scale and to protect those that do, it seems to me that we may be focusing our energy on the wrong target or that we're focusing on brand for the wrong reasons. I'm not saying that we shouldn't focus on the individuals who enact rape or assault. We absolutely should. But there are clear and present inconsistencies with how we damn those being accused. It's not just some political or racial bias either, but rather some combination of groupthink and convenience. I see this play out both in the public sphere and in real life. Perhaps this is impacted by the fact that the damage done by these crimes is often immaterial and not readily apparent. It is easy to forgive, ignore, excuse, or forget when those around you are not also outraged. The damage cannot be seen or felt by others, and the acceptance of the fact causes some harm or inconvenience to ourselves. Exhibit Kobe who was idolized and celebrated as a hero despite raping someone for being good at basketball. Now, the right may be perfectly exemplifying this by immediately dismissing these allegations, often without actually examining the specific counts themselves. Like I said, in the last victim's story, the one who got the rape kit is pretty damning. While it has not been proven and Brandt's innocence must be preserved until that changes, I do not see how it is appropriate to dismiss this allegation. The right has proposed a conspiracy theory that large leftist media organizations and powers at be have crafted these allegations to silence Brand, who has become a more powerful figure in vocalizing distrust and displeasure in our governments and their systems. That these allegations are false and contrived to slander Brand, the right, and Brand's ideas. And that may be true. I don't know, and you don't know either. The left, on the other hand, has proposed a conspiracy theory that years ago, after these supposed offenses took place, Brand realized the clock was ticking on him, that eventually these allegations would come to light and he needed to do something to prepare himself. So rather than staying out of the limelight and allowing himself to fade into obscurity, he decided to become a right-wing extremist who spews a vile, dishonest, disingenuous fake news and conspiracy theories in an effort to paint the inevitable eventual allegations as a false attack against him. That may be true. I don't know. You don't know either. But regardless of which conspiracy theory is true, at least we can trust in the UK government and justice system to uncover the truth and treat Russell Brand innocent until proven guilty. From The Guardian. Rumble rejects MP's call to demonetize Russell Brand. Quote, Rumble, a video sharing platform used by Russell Brand, has accused a parliamentary committee of, quote, deeply, of deeply inappropriate behavior after it asked whether the site would suspend payment to the comedian. Uh, Caroline Diniage, the conservative chair of the Culture, Media, and Sport Committee wrote this week to Rumble's chief executive to express concern that Brand, quote, may be able to profit from his content on the platform, end quote. Well, now, wait a minute. Why 
is Parliament suggesting to or pressuring a company to demonetize Russell Brand when there hasn't been an arrest, charge, and much less a conviction against Brand? Quote, deeply inappropriate, seems to be sugarcoating it a bit, don't you think? The content of which Parliament seems to be so concerned with is entirely unrelated to the crimes that Russell Brand has been accused but not charged with. What business does Parliament have in attempting to remove the income of a private citizen who has not been charged with a crime? It really makes me wonder if the proud and loud anti-fascists will take a stand here in this clear and present subversion of the UK justice system. Been looking for you. Got something I'm supposed to deliver. Your hands only. Looks like that's it. Got to go. Welcome to Your Hands Only segment of the podcast. This segment is where I get to interact with you, the listener. You are the listener! You are the listener! I am interested in hearing from you, the listener. If you got something to say, please speak your piece by sending an email to thisisseriouspodcast at gmail.com. I want your feedback, your comments, your concerns. Send me your notes so that I may make this podcast better for you. Send me your questions so that I may answer them in this segment. Send me your harshest criticisms so that I may keep my ego in check and fuel my depression. Send me your notes at thisisseriouspodcast at gmail.com. That is thisisseriouspodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. Whisper sweet nothings into my inbox. Listener, (laughs) that tickles. (laughs) This audio-only podcast was brought to you by the following corporations. Corporations, where consumer needs always come before the bottom line. There are no ads for this podcast, at least not for the first several weeks. But I do want to condition my listeners into getting used to having a few minutes carved out to celebrate capitalism, corporatism, and the advertisers that allowed me and many others to forego legitimate careers in favor of a chance of being in the virtual limelight. So thank you, Raid Shadow Legends, for fulfilling dreams and corrupting well-adjusted individuals into content cretins who lose their soul chasing the high of relevancy. If you would like to sponsor this podcast to keep it alive and preventing it from being a flash in a pan or a failed project, please send your inquiries and propositions to thisisseriouspodcast at gmail.com. I love good business, and I only do good business. So do good business with me, your host, at thisisseriouspodcast at gmail.com. Serious inquiries only, por favor. Why people don't like him because he's a stupid guy. This is a simulated death match. There was years where my father didn't even make a hundred grand. Black guy Jones, white guy Goosemouth. Do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? Last weekend was Noche UFSA. Grasso versus Shevchenko Dos. Uh, one of the greatest ideas the UFC has ever had. This is why I watch UFSA. I cannot wait for Noche UFSA Dos, where the commentators are wearing sombreros and they replace the ring girls with flamenco dancers. My only criticism is that there was not enough historical facts and too many Little Mermaid commercials. How am I supposed to learn about Mexican Independence Day 
from the UFC when these valuable lessons keep being subverted by the Black Little Mermaid. Now, I don't understand that there has been a lot of controversy regarding the Black Little Mermaid and whether or not it is more culturally significant than Mexican Independence Day. But it's only Mexican Independence Day once a year. It could be Black Little Mermaid Day any other day of the year or every day of the year. Do we really need 365 Black Little Mermaid Days a year or is 364 Black Little Mermaids enough? But I don't know. I'm not keen on the nuances of this neo-social tolerance world. Maybe I'm just dumb, but something feels wrong about subverting Mexican Independence Day with a non-Latina girl whose back always stays wet. We'll be right back. <laughs> uh, to kick off, Noche UFC, Raul Rosas Jr. versus Terrence uh, Mitchell. The odds closed with Rosas Jr. favored minus 740 this fight. He was minus 280 his last fight and minus 300 during his debut. It is clear that this is another fighter that the UFC wants to succeed. Uh, the matchmakers are giving him some pretty favorable fights. And hey, yeah, the kid's 18 years old. Maybe he should have some easy bouts for his first uh, year or two in the UFC. Um, that being said, Rosas Jr. put on a great performance, uh, scoring himself a first-round finish. Uh, the kid has skills and a long career ahead of him. I hope he slows down a bit and allows himself to grow into his own. Otherwise, his youth and inexperience may get the best of him as it did during his second UFC fight. I will often hear people say that the UFC is rigged, that the fights are fixed, the judges are paid for, etc. The reality is the fight game is a dirty game and has never been a fighting organization that wasn't up to some sort of fuckery. Uh, Rosas Jr. is a great example of UFC's type of fuckery, where they get a fighter that they want to do well, and they set him up with a bunch of fights that he's expected to win. They don't really push for the challenges that match the skill set right away all the time, as evident with Bo Nickel. Um, I mean, and say what you want about it. At the end of the day, once they do get up to the higher levels of the division, they got to get the work done themselves. So yeah, sure, maybe they help these kids get a little bit more star power um, by handing them a few easier fights in the beginning of the career. But once they get up to the top 10, those are all killers across the board. And the work needs to get done. So say what you want about it. It's really not that big of a deal, all things considered. And it makes gambling a hell of a lot easier. Next, we had uh, Kevin Holland versus Jack Della Mandolina. Uh, great fight, close fight, split decision going to Jack. I think the judges had it right. I had Jack up as well. I love Kevin Holland, but I don't know if this is a criticism or a compliment, honestly. But Kevin Holland always fights in a manner that seems to be enjoyable for himself. It may not always be the best or the most effective or the way that's going to get him the win, but he always puts on a great show and he always looks like he's having a blast doing it. When he was going up against, um, what's his face? Uh, Wonderboy, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He had a gentleman's agreement with Wonderboy to just keep it standing. Kevin Holland is a bad motherfucker on the ground. He can knock you out on the ground. He can submit you on the ground. He can keep you there and control you and keep you stuck to the ground. He is wonderful. And then he decided to not use one of his greatest advantages over one of the greatest strikers we've ever seen in the UFC. 
uh, in Wonderboy Thompson. What can you say about him? Kevin Holland probably throwing away all of his chances of ever seeing a title, but he will always remain one of my favorite fighters till the end of time. Uh, next, we had Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. Amazing fight from Grasso and Shevchenko. It is incredible to see that the level of women's MMA has risen to the point where we have fighters that can actually contest with the likes of Amanda Nunez and Valentina Shevchenko. It has taken a long time for us to get here, but I'm glad that we are here now. Uh, it was a controversial decision. I scored the fight personally. I scored the fight 48-47 Shevchenko with her taking rounds one, three, and four. But the fight was extremely close. I, and I wouldn't fault anyone for scoring round four for Grasso and giving her the win. However, both fighters received a 48-47 from a judge, and the third scored the fight 47-47, making it a split draw, resulting in no winner and Alexa Grasso retaining her belt. Shitty way to score the fight. For those who have no idea what these numbers mean or how scoring works in UFC, I'll explain. Each round is scored on a 10-point must system. This means that a winner is determined for each round. That winning fighter receives a full 10 points for the round, and the losing fighter will typically receive 9 points for the loss. The only two times when the scoring of the round will change from being 10-9 is that when a foul occurs and a ref decides to deduct a point, or when a round is so one-sided that the judges rule that 9 points is too much for the losing fighter and thus they only get eight. And that's what happened here. One of the judges thought that Alexa Grasso dominated the fifth round so much that it warranted a 10-8 for Grasso. Now, there are quite a few problems with the 10-point must system. It's pretty good and normally works out as desired, but there certainly are times where its flaws stand out, and this is one of those times. Now, I like that the fact that the fighters can score 10-8 rounds and encourages fighters to get after it rather than coaster winning rounds. The problem is that what constitutes a 10-8 round is pretty poorly defined, if defined at all. Generally, this issue does not come up too often as it's widely understood that 10-8 rounds are only awarded when a fighter is so dominant during the round, their opponent was unable to respond or is struggling for survival the entire round. It can be said that you know a 10-8 round when you see it. If you want to know what a 10-8 round looks like, just watch about any Hamzat Chimaya fight. Uh, the, that first round against Kevin Holland, for example, absolutely would have been a 10-8 had it went the distance. Now, I had Grasso winning the fifth, but ruling that it's a 10-8 is criminal. Most of the fifth was pretty uneventful, with both fighters being somewhat inactive. It wasn't until the final 90 seconds of the fight when Crosso was able to turn up the heat on Shevchenko. 90 seconds of domination does not cut it. Insert sex joke here. That 10-8 round saved Grosso from losing her belt, and Valentina Shevchenko has every right to be upset. That being said, uh, she's really not taking it the best, blaming everything and everyone from the crowd to her thumb to Mexican Independence Day. It's really disappointing to see her act this way, honestly. Shevchenko has been in the game long enough to know that this judge gave this score for the same reason as every other 
as every other horrible decision that's ruined fights. The judges are retarded. That's it. It's that simple, folks. It's not because she's Mexican or whatever excuse you came up with. The judges saw you almost get finished and submitted at the end of the round and thought to himself, oh, that was pretty cool. And then boom, 10-8. Stop blaming Mexican Independence Day. Mexican Independence Day has done nothing bad to anyone of value, just the Spanish. UFC Fight Night Vizez versus Gamera is coming up in two weeks. This is a fight night for the fight fans. It's not really the biggest names, but it should be a great card uh, with some exciting up-and-comers. Uh, we have Ricardo Ramos versus Charles Jordan. Uh, for me, Charles Jordan hasn't had the best career in the UFC, but don't be mistaken. He is a fantastic fighter who is still coming into his own. Coming off a great win against Cron Gracie back in May, I think that Jordan will have one over Ricardo Ramos. Um, Brian Battle versus AJ Fletcher. AJ Fletcher is fighting an uphill battle with a 10-inch reach disadvantage against Brian Battle. That being said, Fletcher has striking and aggression to close the distance and can get some damage in. Despite this disadvantage, I have Fletcher beating Battle. Next up is Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Watterson Gomez, the Karate Hottie. Um... Who doesn't love the karate hottie? I mean, honestly, an absolute legend, a future Hall of Famer. Michelle Watterson Gomez has unfortunately lost her luster in recent years. Uh, Maybe Father Time has caught up to her. Maybe the level of women's MMA has surpassed her. Honestly, I hope this is her last loss before retiring. Uh, You do not want to go the way of Tony Ferguson, Miss Karate Hottie. Next up on the card is the fight that I personally am looking forward to the most. We got Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell versus Dan 50K Ige. I love Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell. It's characters like Bryce Mitchell that make the UFC and MMA in general so special. And what other sport, profession, or trade or reality is Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell anything of significance? That's not to put him down. He's an unexpectedly good fighter. But I do think 50k Ige takes this one. Part of me hopes I'm wrong, but the other part of me doesn't want to see 50k Ige lose. Either way, we're winning because it'll be a great fight. And Thug Nasty is almost certainly going to do something wild and entertaining. Then we got the main event, Vizez versus Gamrot. Uh, Rafael Vizez is one of the best strikers in the lightweight division, but Gamera is one bad motherfucker and a lucky motherfucker at that. I believe that Fizez does have an edge over, over Gamera, but truly anything can happen in this fight. I'm really looking forward to both of these guys fighting the big names in division, but that will only happen as soon as the top five lightweights are done jerking each other off. Well, folks, that wraps the first episode of This Is Serious. Thank you all for listening and embarking with me on this journey to a better tomorrow. I'm grateful for you all. Have a good night, y'all. I'll see you next week. Maybe. company. I know that it says co, but it's company, not co.